boo things. It's your girl Rebecca here, and you're listening to Just Ghoulie Things. Ooh. Hey, boo things. Welcome back to Just Ghoulie Things, and I am your bootyful host, Rebecca. And this is episode three of our quarantine spooky story special. So, if you haven't checked out on our Instagram, uh, Just Ghoulie Things podcast, I had posted on our Instagram story, which by the time this episode gets released, I'm going to post it on our actual Instagram page itself. Um, I just feel like there's just so much negative energy going on through the media outlets with everything that's happening. And it's important that we stay informed, but it's also important for us to keep positive and think of all the good that is happening in the world as well. You know, we're looking at Um, how scary this virus is, but we also aren't looking at all the people that are helping each other out, and it's such a beautiful thing. Um, It's important to note how the decrease in pollution has made such a difference in the animal population. Um, There's videos and pictures from Venice where you actually see the wildlife in the water again, and it is such a beautiful thing. Unfortunately, it seems like Mother Nature just turned around and was like, all right, all the humans go to your room and think of what you've done to earth because you guys have fucked it up. And now I need to reset everything to get things back in order. So, um, yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to post a, um, a picture of something and name one positive thing that I got from this week. And then I want you guys to comment below saying one positive thing that may have happened to you or something that you may have read online or something that you have seen. Um, let's just keep the positive energy going, guys. We really need it in this, uh, this scary time. All right. So for those that are new to the podcast, um, pretty much this is a special that is going on only during the quarantine. So since most of us are in quarantine right now, we're on lockdown. Um, my mom said that I shouldn't be using the word that I'm quarantined because I'm not infected, but people may think I am for using the word. So if it's not clear enough, I'm, I don't have the coronavirus. Um, I wouldn't, I haven't been exposed to people that have been tested positive for it. I don't have any symptoms. I mean, we have learned that there are people that are asymptomatic, but, um, I'm feeling fine. I'm actually feeling great. Um, besides just feeling lazy, just sitting home all day and eating chips and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm not under specific quarantine. Like I, like I'm infected. I don't know if I had to make that clear to you guys, but yeah, I I thought that pretty much all the U.S. was under quarantine just until we got this situation in control. But yeah, I don't know. Um, So yeah, pretty much this this special that I have going on is going to be every day of the quarantine. Um, And that's specific to um, what's going on here in New Jersey in the United States. Because as of right now, um, my job that I go to, uh, you know, I have a few... Um, I have a few careers, but the one that I actually leave the house for uh, is closed as of right now to the end of April. So I don't know. I don't really know how long I'm going to be out of that job. So I'm going to be posting spooky stories every day until that quarantine is lifted with 10 stories that are a variety of different paranormal events. 
So you guys are going to be getting a bunch of new content. Uh, If you like these scary stories or you want to submit one for me to talk about on the show, you can email me at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. Also, it's really important. One of the things that I talked about in our earlier episodes in 2020 was that I wanted to be on top of the podcast charts for Apple Podcast. Um, And to do so... The, the way that it's most successful is if you rate us five stars and leave us a dope review. The more people that do that, the higher up the charts we get. And it would be pretty awesome if during the quarantine we can get on the charts, even, even if it's for a quick second and then we get off for some reason and then come back and stay on the charts forever or just keep being on the charts forever. I mean, I would totally be happy with that. Um, but... Without further ado, like I say in every single episode of this Quarantine Spooky Story Special, let's get started with these 10 stories. All right, the first one is, don't knock on the walls, they knock back. So it's important to note, too, that a lot of these stories I like to save for myself um, for when I read them out loud to you guys. So a lot of times I skim them and I see certain things. I'm like, okay, this seems like it's going to be an interesting story. Cause I like to, I like to give you guys authentic reactions to what I think of these stories as well. Um, so when you hear me surprised, I'm actually surprised because like I said, I just skim these through. And if it looks like it can be a decent story, I put it in the episode. So I just thought the title alone, don't knock on the walls. They knock back was pretty interesting. The story starts, when I was 23, I started getting into online dating and met a girl that I started talking to pretty frequently. Even eventually, I went over to her place to spend some time with her and her family. At the doorway, she stopped me and said, there's only one rule at my house. Don't knock on the walls because they knock back. Um, first of all, that starts. That sounds like the start of a very scary Blumhouse Productions movie. <laughs> Just say We had talked about the paranormal, but she never really went into great detail about her house. I agreed, and we, along with her friend, her brother, and his friend were smoking and chatting for a few hours until the girl I was with said she had to run to the store. While she was out, I couldn't help myself and dared her brother's friend to knock on the wall because he was the only one that didn't know about the rule. And he immediately did. Everyone in the room went quiet for a moment. And when nothing noticeable happened, we began talking again until we heard what sounded like someone aggressively pushing her dresser. Her brother jumped up frantically and said, what the fuck was that? We all sat there quietly to see if anything else would happen and slowly worked our way back into conversation. When she got back, she joined us in conversation until she got this look on her face. She kind of cocked her head to the side slightly as if someone was whispering in her ear and just blurted out, who knocked on my wall? Nobody had touched their phone the entire time we were sitting there. There's no possible way she could have known that someone had knocked on her wall. This still creeps me out no matter how many times I tell that story. Oh, this would be such a dope plot to a story, guys. Like, there's just so many things you could you could go in this direction. Like, is this uh, is this a, a a mean spirit? Is this a positive spirit? Is this a spirit guide? Uh, like, what is this? I mean, clearly, there has to be something negative to it because it seems like it was aggressively pushing her dresser and it freaks the people out and gives them a bad feeling. So I think that it may be negative, which could be a really cool plot to a story, just saying. 
uh, to a movie. But yeah, and then the fact that she kind of senses that someone touched, someone knocked on the wall. It's like someone's talking to her. Someone's letting her know. And she's following her instinct, whatever voice is in her head. It's, that is a really freaky story. I like that one a lot. Okay, next one. We're not in your head. We're in your house. My family, specifically my father and I, have many, many paranormal experiences between the two of us and shared experiences as well. This happened to him a few months ago at the house he's been living in for over a decade, where I've also been witness to strange occurrences. My stepmom is sort of involved in this. For the sake of storytelling, I'll call her Kim. We often go back and forth talking to each other about our encounters because we both have had so many, some I'll likely share here in the future. But after he told me this one, it genuinely sent shivers down my spine. I'm going to try to tell it exactly as he told it to me. It says, I had this dream the other night, and there were like 30 people trying to attack me on the street. Cars kept passing me, and I was trying to wave them down, but nobody would stop to help. Finally, someone stopped and asked, hey man, what's going on? What's wrong? I tried to tell him, there's all these people. They're just going to fucking kill me and no one's stopping to help. They're going to kill me. He just said, what are you talking about? There's no one else here and drove off. I dropped down to my knees and got into the fetal position. I closed my eyes and I started screaming, get out of my head. Get out of my fucking head. That's when I heard someone like they were saying into my ear. He said, we're not in your head. We're in your house. That was when something slammed down on the computer desk and woke me up. The computer was on, but Kim was asleep and no one else was home. A little bit more backstory. We've had a lot of intense encounters at this house. Me and my brother haven't lived there in years, but one thing that now happens nightly is that every night my dad turns the motion-censored air conditioner and computer off, and specifically because he knows that no matter what, they'll always inexplicably be back on in the morning. Oh, dreams are, in this case, it seems like a nightmare. I love adding these encounters stories to my episodes because it is paranormal. I mean, I definitely feel like spirits try to connect with us through our dreams because I feel like in that sense, we're the most vulnerable and we're the most open-minded, if that makes sense. I feel like when we're awake and we're going through our daily routine, we have this we have this film over our eyes where we don't see certain things that when we close our eyes and just let our minds soar to the infinite, we can connect with spirits. And I think that this was a message for her father. Um, it's saying, we're not in your head, we're in your house. Is that symbolism for something? Or is there a spirit that's literally in their house wanting to kill him? And no one else is seeing this except him. I mean, that is horrifying. And then the fact he was woken up suddenly by a com- by the computer desk being slammed down on, like what? Like that is too coincidental. So that's an awesome story as well. Third story, the house that was too good to be true. My parents were married for 15 years. I was 14 and my younger sister was four. We had two small dogs. Trust me, I wish I would could have avoided these four years of my life. It all started when my parents decided to finally buy the house of our dreams, the one my parents would be in for the rest of our lives. 
We visited the house and of course we fell in love with its updated style, cathedral ceilings, and built-in closet shelving. Surprisingly, we ended up getting the house and it really felt like this house was meant for us. And for about the first year we lived there, it sure felt like it. Our neighbors mentioned the past family who lived there just up and left without any indication they were getting ready to move. We realized this too when they left all sorts of family pictures and important documents in drawers around the house. All right, side note. Uh-uh, I don't like the sound of that. Our neighbor from the back brought us some sort of pastry. We never got close to our direct neighbors. I am not at all the person who experienced paranormal things. This is where it started. I had a loft bed and I was under it doing homework without any warning. My mom's whispered my name behind me in my ear. It gently moved my stray hairs and I felt a small breeze and emitted. I wasn't even scared until I turned around slowly and was stunned by a whole lot of nothing there. Naturally, I screamed for my mom, and she came running in her towel because she was in the shower. I also started sleepwalking in this house. I was constantly looking for something each time I woke up. The scariest of those times was when I realized I was searching for a young girl in my closet. Another when I woke up running down the upstairs hallway, headed towards the stairs at full speed. That is horrifying. And if her parents ever saw this actually play out in front of their eyes, oh my God, if that happened to me as a parent, I'd have to throw the whole kid away. That's absolutely horrifying. Okay, anyway, another time I got to see it do something else was with my family. We were in the living room watching a haunting show. And when the show mentioned a door creak open, our actual door to get to the backyard gently clicked and opened for about six minutes. Our door was completely shut, and we know this because we always made sure our doors were locked. It was so scary, none of us wanted to get up and shut the door. I mentioned the property seems off. Our neighbor from the back of the house passed away abruptly. He used to be the dean of a nearby college. My dad heard what was probably family members to go through the house and talk in the backyard, brought a very small moving trailer, and was gone within a couple of days. My dad, being extremely nosy and too brave, realized one of the doors had been broken in on the side of the house. Probably some homeless person slept there. Inside was many artifacts pointing towards pedophilia. Ooh. He had many Catholic-like artifacts around the house, what seems like all his furniture, numerous tapes labeled with sexual suggestive titles, many newspaper clippings opened up to sports news from the high school and youth sports section, his bedroom still had his hospital bed in it. I guess he was probably sick leaning to, leading towards his demise. His closet had numerous paintings of nude underage boys painted with themselves or with other men. One was extremely disturbing because it was with a man masturbating with a boy next to him. I was going to make I was going to make a huge mistake by venturing into the house on my own just for the thrill. Thankfully, I was with my dog, and he absolutely refused to get closer than 10 feet to the backyard gate. Our neighbors on the left were a middle-aged couple. The wife always avoided eye, to uh, eye contact or talking at all costs. I was sitting outside by myself enjoying the warm evening when I saw the husband walk around with his pug in his arms. He stared at the sky, talking quietly for a long time. We finally made eye contact after a while, and he gave me a very toothy smile and a slowish wave. I waved back and nearly immediately walked back inside, very creeped out. Everyone but me definitely saw more things. It usually mimicked us by either looking or sounding like one another, but not every time. 
The house had a way of making you feel like nobody else was there. We never really sat down together at the table and ate. Rarely did we even hang out in the same room. I was usually up in my room, my sister in her room, or under the stairs in the closet slash playroom, mom in the living room, dad in his man cave. When my parents divorced, my dad was left in the house by himself to finish moving. The house became so active with happenings, he stopped sleeping there and slept at my grandma's house. One of those things being a large beast looking down on him when he woke up from his sleep. Okay. Okay, so this has me believe that it's not the house that's haunted, but the property they're on. And it may not even just be their property that they owned. It seems like the whole lot, which includes the other neighbors, because the neighbors all seems a little off, especially the creepy old man that was into pedophilia. I mean, maybe he was like that before he lived there or I mean maybe he lived there for a long time and something took over him that that created this urge for him to get into this or maybe he was just really messed up in the head already um but then you have the other guy looking up at the sky talking to himself quietly for a long time that didn't want to talk to anybody I mean there's just so many weird coincidences going on in this situation it's like it's definitely in my opinion has to be the energy from the lot the the lot of property on that street or that block or however you want to space it out um that's just yeah creepy all right next story haunted farmhouse when i was a young child i used to visit my grandparents old farm with my mother As a kid, I was very interested in insects and small animals and used to go into their basement during the winter months in search of any insects, seeking refuge in their basement among the firewood. While I was down there, I would sometimes catch glimpses of shadow figures behind the standalone fireplace or behind one of the pillars. When I went to check it out, of course, nobody would be there, and I'd just wonder how my grandfather got back up the stairs so fast without making a sound and never re-examined the experience until I was older. Around that time, I overheard my mother and aunt excitedly talking to each other about their ghostly experiences in the house, and when I had asked about what they were talking about, they exchanged glances for a moment and told me that the house was haunted and explained to me what that meant. Of course, being a child, I figured they were screwing with me and just didn't want me listening in on their adult conversation, so I left them alone. Fast forwarding to my young teen years, I stayed at the house every now and then because my mother's living situation was a bit dicey at best. One night, I'm watching TV while my grandfather periodically goes up and down the staircase behind me to get tools from the basement as he's working on something in his room. After a while, he finishes up and goes to bed, and the house is dead silent other than the sounds coming from the TV, when I hear a loud footsteps slowly make their way down the stairs behind me. But they didn't sound like my grandfather's footsteps. I nervously said, Hey, Grandpa, and hopes he'd answer me to confirm it was him, but no answer. I slowly turned my head to see if there was someone there, and the staircase was completely empty with the sound of the boots continuing down the stairs until they reached the bottom and stopped. I quickly turned back to the TV, but could no longer focus on the show while my mind was reeling from the experience. This story, now that I'm reading it, is giving me such chills because when I used to go over my great-grandmother's and when I was younger, I used to go over a lot because my dad worked a lot and my mom was um, went back to college to get her degree. So I was left there a lot uh, with my great-grandmother. And my great-grandmother had my grandfather's old office still downstairs in her basement. 
and that was equipped with one of those old phones that you had to like turn the little spinner thing and um, had like an old browning calendar uh, calendar mat on the on the office desk and old rulers and just so much old office supplies. Like it was from like the 50s or 60s and it was so weird because everything was placed as if someone during that time period just left it there and just never came back to like clean it up. I mean, it was everything was just so put in a way that it looked like it was just it just like that moment in time just stopped in that very moment. And I would go down there and play on the old phone and I would pretend that I was running a business in in his little office. But I would always get the sense that because in this basement, it wasn't a finished basement. Um, It had like the laundry room and had some, you know, that's where she stored all her like pantry items and things like that. I always felt that on the other side of the room where I couldn't see, there was always shadows looking at me at all times. Like I always, like I didn't see them with my eyes, but I could always picture them being there. And I think I was creeped out by it, but I never did anything about it because I didn't think anyone would believe me. So I would just play or if I really got freaked out, I'd just run up the stairs and then go spend some time with my great-grandmother. But um, I should ask some of my family members that live there if they ever had experiences because I definitely, looking back and reading the story, that just rekindled an old memory that I never really thought of um, and I've never really mentioned to anyone before. So it's pretty creepy. All right, next story. Creepy tales from Kiribati. I lived on the small Pacific island nation of Kiribati for about a year last year. I'm American and was called there to work as a missionary for my church. The island has Polynesian culture, but not much history. There isn't much known of how the people originally came to the island and where they came from. There was a lot of dark magic and voodoo tales. Specific islands are notorious for certain things like pretty girls, dark magic, giants, and such. On the, rem- on the more remote outer islands, dark magic is very prevalent. The main island, Tara- Tarawa, was very crowded and way more advanced than the outer islands, but many other missionaries would give experiences they had and heard with dark spirits or black magic. The people are very superstitious and love magic tricks. A tradition they have is that their loved ones who die will reincarnate as rats. We are required not to kill or harm rats because if we do, we will be cursed and rats will continue to come and haunt us and basically bite our stuff. I have had firsthand experience with this. I have seen the people invite and feed rats into their houses and none of their things are meddled with. But once the American missionaries started killing rats and mice we saw in our house, the rats conspired against us and we had lots of bad luck. The people also heavily believe in ghosts and spirits and demons. Anyways, that's just a little snippet of the culture and actually doesn't have anything to do with the story. Oh, okay. I actually was really content if that was the end of the story, but here's the actual scary tale I was trying to get to. The first town I was a missionary in was Beckenabau. There was a family we were teaching in the lower side of the town, and it would take a good 10 minutes to bike down there. Yes, bikes and buses and trucks are the mode of travel on this island. Our days were sort of busy, and so it was hard to find a time to visit the specific family. All the other families we were visiting in the upper western side of town, we were only able to visit this family at night at around 8.30 or 9.00. On one occasion, we came down to teach this family. 
There was a lot of commotion at the neighbor's house. The Kiribati would love to throw parties, birthdays when girls have their first period, new houses made, etc. As we approached the father of the family we were teaching, we asked him what was going on next door. He said it was a funeral. Then family next door, and we will call them for the sake of the story, the Korakora family, went through a terrible experience. The daughter of the Korakora family passed away at the age of seven. She was having seizures and was brought to the only hospital by her parents. The doctors were able to get her under control, and the family stayed there at the hospital with their daughter. That night, the guards were standing march by the wall of the hospital and spotted a small girl walking up to the gate. The girl had her dark hair covering her face, and she was only wearing underwear. The guards called out to the girl, who was approaching the gate, but the girl did not answer. They asked where she was going. The guards were so... Oh, all the girl did was raise her hand up and pointed towards the lagoon side of the island across the street. The guards were so afraid, thinking she was a ghost, that they let her pass. The following morning, the parents woke up and were very concerned because their daughter was missing. Police got involved, and information about what had happened came from the guards. A few hours later, the girl's body was found face down in the lagoon. She had drowned, and her face was so bloated. The girl had walked half a mile out in the low-tide lagoon to drown herself. Oh my god, that's so sad. The parents mourned and were so afraid. And they said that that exact thing had happened to the girl's grandmother. What? The grandmother had had seizures and went and drowned herself in the lagoon. The creepy part being that the daughter of the Korakora family had the exact same name as the grandmother. This was told to me by the neighbor and the friend of the Korakora family to me, so bear in mind the story is not from a primary source. But from tales of firsthand experiences by other missionaries about dark spirits and black magic, I was convinced that this was a true account. I'm speechless. That's crazy that this girl suffered the same seizures as her grandmother, drowned the same way her grandmother did, and had the same name as her? That is crazy. That is bananas. All right. I can't even comment more on that because that's just the story speaks for itself. This title is actually a question. Has anyone experienced premonitions? As soon as I saw the word premonitions, I had to add this in because I always think premonition stories are so cool. The story starts, I've had a few, but one stands out the most by far. Back in 86, 87, my brother started saying he had a feeling our grandmother would die in 88. He'd say it all the time. We used to get high back then, and he'd say it just about every time we'd burn one. It got to the point that I'd tell him, okay, man, I get it. I'll end up taking this to my grave if you say it one more freaking time. One night, we were in the kitchen with my mom cooking and dad standing around smoking cigs and drinking coffee. My brother looked over at me and said something along the lines of, don't forget, 88. It's going to happen in 88. Reached up and rubbed my temple and my vision went blank. It felt like I was standing on ground, but absolutely nothing around for as far as I could see. I could sense that the world was completely opened up. I could hear in the background really faintly a bunch of kids saying, Trick or treat, trick or treat. Then I saw a coffin appear in front of me. Even though I didn't see who was in it, I just knew it was grandmother. The scene felt like it lasted for 30 seconds or so, but in reality, it was just a blink of an eye. It left me with a feeling like I normally get when I'm around a bunch of people. It sucks the life out of me. Introvert to the max. I turned to my brother and was like, what the fuck was that? 
gave him an idea of what happened and said he put me down for grandmother dying on Halloween. Ended up rubbing my temple again, felt a little tension again, and the world changed. I was standing in the hallway beside a helicopter just about to take off. I boarded the helicopter that was in the southbound highway side of the north end of the bridge and ended up flying up and got just above the tree where it flew in a circle while I was looking down at a bridge I had crossed all the time growing up. I could see a bunch of emergency vehicles on both ends of the bridge parked on the highway facing the bridge itself. All I could see was emergency vehicles parked on the other bridge that was newer, the southbound bridge. It was an older bridge that was pretty long. The middle had a section that was raised up sort of like a hill when it passed the midpoint of the river. I could see sections of the bridge had fallen in. That tra- The traffic that would cross the bridge would not be able to see the sections that fall in till it's too late. And as they drove, they'd cross the hump and end up driving off into the river since they couldn't stop in time. Like before, I could hear kids in the background saying, April Fools, April Fools. The last scene lasted a couple minutes or so, but when I came to, only a second or two actually happened. My grandmother died the very night after Halloween night at like 2 or so in the morning in 1988. The bridge collapsed April Fool's Day the following year, April 1st, 1989. If I remember correctly, seven or eight people lost their lives. It was years later, when YouTube got to be a bit more popular, that I found the video that had a small snippet of what I just saw. Just looked, and it's still there. I don't know how to link a video. Um, Just do a search for Hatchy River Collapse, and you'll see it. It was a newscast from Reg. That's the last time I ever had something so vivid. Other than that, I've had a few times where I had sensed something was going to happen and it eventually did, but then there's also times I felt like something was going to happen and it didn't. I'm now about to stand here and claim I have some killer psychic ability. Sometimes I wonder if those times are really going to happen myself, so I just pass it off as, hmm, kind of be interesting if it does happen, but sometimes, like that time, it actually sucks. For a while now, I've had a feeling our VP was going to be president, and he and I got this sense that he was going to make some tough decisions and would be considered pretty tough, but would most say not in a good way. I've been telling my wife about it for a while. Even with this feeling, I don't have any confidence it's going to actually happen. The day after it collapsed, my mom and dad said they crossed the bridge before it collapsed, and it felt like their truck hit a hard bump. They went straight to the police station, and the police pretty much ignored them and didn't send anyone. A lot of people back then said they felt bad of bad bump too. And when they called the police, the police acted like it was all an April Fool's joke. I do think about that bridge from time to time, and I wish I could have done something. I was a 16-year-old headbanger that stayed high all the time. Who's going to believe me? It's left me with some messed up feelings about it since I can't do anything. On one hand, I know the logical thing is, is that it wasn't my fault, but there's still that part of me that lives in regret. Guess telling the story is a bit of my own self-therapy since I started thinking about it again tonight. So for those that have premonitions that actually happen, I believe in fate. And I believe that though we can prevent maybe something from happening when it's originally supposed to happen, I do think that it's just prolonging the inevitable. And no matter what, like if you have a premonition and something happens, it is not your fault that it happened at all. You are not in control. You have no control over situations in that sense. And I truly believe that. Um, that's, that's a great, like, especially April Fool's Day, that's my birthday. Like, that is, I've never heard of that bridge collapse, and I'm going to look that up at the end of this episode. Next story is titled, 
A Tale of Two Brothers. When I was 16 or so, my mother moved in with her boyfriend in one of the first homes built in an old logging town. It was a simple two-story house with two creaky spiral staircases on either side. The basement was crudely dug directly into the sandstone and looked eerily like a dungeon, which my mother would never enter without one of us going with her. Before my mother had moved in with him, he had apparently tried to rent it out, but nobody would stay for more than a month. I usually stayed up late playing video games on the computer and would often hear someone coming only halfway down the steps and then silence. Every single step on the staircase makes a loud creaking sound, and you can simply walk halfway down and try to sneak back up without making a racket. Curious as to why they would just stand in the middle of the staircase, I'd go investigate only to find it empty. One day, my mother had gone to bed early, so me and her boyfriend were up watching TV when I heard someone go up the stairs, and I had just caught a glimpse of a shadow rounding the corner at the top and quickly asked him if that was mom. Wide-eyed and pale, he just nodded and said, yeah. He later revealed to me that he had watched a shadow figure materialize directly in front of him and walk up the stairs. My mother and him continuously woke up seeing a farmer in white staring at them at the foot of the bed and eventually confronted each other about it and confirmed both of them were seeing the same thing. One day, while me and my sister were away for the week, they had decided to tear up the floor and replace the old wood. They had stopped for a break and had gone into the kitchen for a snack when they heard the drill clearly reversing a screw out of the wood and even heard the screw hit the floor. They exchanged glances and ran into the room where they saw the drill sitting there unplugged. He just said, fuck this, and screwed every last screw back into the floor and left it alone. For those, that, for those of you that don't know, house renovations stir up activity. Rumor has it that a man killed his brother on those steps. Oh, well... The person that explained the story, you are awesome. That is very true. House renovations do tend to stir up activity. And especially if a man had killed his brother on those steps. Uh-uh. That, mm-mm. There's, that is some negative energy going on. And it's interesting. Like, Was this man or his brother a farmer? Is that who is standing there at the foot of your bed? Like, What is he trying to say? Is he trying to pass on? Is there something that was left unsaid before he passed away? Just some things to think about. And I wonder who lives there now if this boyfriend doesn't live there still, um, if anyone that lives there now has experienced this farmer as well. All right. This one, let's see. So I make sure. Okay. This one is called A Paranormal Warning. Hi, guys. Sorry for the long post. I'm hopeful someone may provide me with some clarity here. When I was younger, my family would always stay at an old Victorian bungalow in the mountains of Sri Lanka during the holidays. The building had been preserved with the same facade, the old furniture from its glory days, so it always kind of looked lost in time like an old English cottage. We had stayed there several times before, and I'd always felt a strange energy in the bungalow, but had never really experienced anything concrete until this last trip. The first strange thing happened outside the house. I was sat on the front porch watching my cousins play down in the garden. It was a particularly foggy evening, and the sun was slowly setting. Something caught my eye in the distance, just beyond my cousins. It appeared as though a man was walking through the fog, holding an old lantern, which shone with a dull blue light for some reason. No one seemed to notice him. 
He carried on through the fog aimlessly until he suddenly stopped, turned to lock eyes with me, eyes that shone with the same blue glow. I know, sounds crazy, but that's what I saw. And I immediately ran inside, more confused than knowing anything about what I saw. The second experience was an old living room with a tall couch facing away from the door. The room felt so dense and uncomfortable that I would usually cover my eyes even walking past it. That's weird. On the second day of the trip, my cousin and I were talking and walking past the room when our attention was suddenly drawn to the couch. We both looked at each other in horror as we had both seen a little girl, whom we obviously didn't recognize, peering over the couch at us before ducking back down as we made eye contact. Oh, hell no. It made us even more uncomfortable that we had both seen it as it made it seem even more real. Oh, my gosh. And that's crazy because both of you saw it. So it's not just someone's eyes doing tricks. Um, The final moment was the worst. Most of us were playing cards in the main living room by the front door. There were many of us, so I drifted off occasionally until it was my turn again. At one of those moments, I I remember inspecting the front door and eventually up the glass panel above it. No particular reason, it's just where my attention took me, and I saw a man, as clearly as I see everyone else in the room, on the other side of the door, hanging by his neck, lifeless, slowly spinning around, as clear as day. My whole body froze, and I didn't know what to do. I thought everyone would think I'm crazy if I told them. I was so scared, I just tried to block it out of my mind. I didn't understand what any of this meant, why I'd seen so many things, and why the house had been so insane on this particular trip. The next day, after my last experience, I mysteriously woke up back at our house in the city. All my other relatives not on the trip were at the house, too. It was strange they were there, and everyone was acting really, really strange, like something was wrong. Everyone's attention was on me, constantly checking on me and seeing what I was doing. I was really confused. Later on in the day, I would find out I was at my father's funeral. Wait, what? Okay. He had a heart attack that night of the trip and passed away at the hospital when he rushed when he was rushed back into the city i was so horrified i did not know what to think as i was so petrified in the moment i saw him i always wondered if the apparitions i had seen were trying to warn me that something was wrong but i never knew i had never told anyone in my family about what i had experienced especially as it was such a turbulent moment in our lives I only told my mother a year ago, over a decade after his passing. Whoa. Mind blown. I did not expect that last part of her father dying. Wow. Wow. And it just so happened all these experiences happened on this trip, the last trip you were going to have with your father? Like, what? Okay, so weird. Okay. So these next two stories are actually connected into one because this is written by the same person. So this person had two accounts, um, but they made separate stories. So the first one is titled, Long Post About My Awful Haunting of a Beautiful House We Used to Live in Growing Up. All right. So my dad was all excited to finally buy this gorgeous one-story brick house in Indigo Lake, Texas that was gargantuan, so elegant, refined, copious amounts of land to run around, no annoying neighbors, brought all of our belongings and finally came face to face with what was going to be a beautiful nightmare. 
As we unpacked and arriving at the steps, immediately strange things started to happen. The protector door its opened by itself and even the grand door that led inside the house as well just creaked loudly as if it were telling us to go inside. My dad thought carpenters were working there as it was still being worked on, but only a day or two to finally complete it. Brother exchanged confused glances and noticed the back of the house had this weird-looking pond. Behind the pond was a vast forest that had this sort of small cavern slash grotto, which made absolutely no sense. We were wrapped in complete forest, so it was pretty fucking creepy. Yeah, it sounds really fucking creepy. Stepped inside, ignoring the doors opening, and we were completely astonished with how beautiful the house was. Still remember being seven years old and in awe with so many things the previous owner left. It was like going back in time. Exquisite paintings, china vases, samurai swords, a chimney with a moose taxidermy above. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful. This sounds like the beginning of a fucking scary movie. Anyway, to the right, as soon as you walk in, was the kitchen and a strip down that led to the washing machines as well as the backyard. To the left of the living room was a fork. Right side was going to be my parents' room. Straight led to a grand room, which we named an arcade room. It was a long hallway to get to the arcade room, and left of the arcade led another hallway. But what was odd of this hallway was that there was a small shower and a toilet along with a long mirror that coated the wall and led to a door, which was my brother's room in a closet. Made no sense. And from my brother's room, it led you back to the fork slash living room, and the restroom was in the middle. That's a very odd setup now that I'm thinking of this in my head. The arcade room, LOL. Jesus was so freezing cold. (laughs) This is how they wrote it. Even during the summer, when you opened the windows, it was still freezing. Everyone who came over would complain about how cold it was. Dad thought it was just a small draft. That's what all dads think in their house, let's be real. Anyways, we had a foosball table, PlayStation system, video games, mini movie theater, even a gym in that arcade room. Um, can I fucking live there? That sounds pretty amazing, especially during this quarantine right now. Seems like you have everything set up. What could possibly go wrong? Night falls and my dad buys the Blair Witch Project. Yep, scared the hell out of me. Anyways, we were taking care of my uncle's sweet chihuahua named Brandy, who out of nowhere began barking furiously at a wall in the kitchen. She had all her hair standing up in a foamy mouth by how angry she was. I grabbed her and put her in the washing room where she just whined. My dad was dismissive on the idea that we were living in a haunted house, but that night after the movie ended was something I'm never going to forget as this presence started to immediately show itself. So I made the decision to sleep in my parents' room for a while. In that room was a painting of a boy and a girl on a countryside walking down a road next to a man behind. I'm getting chills just being reminded of this painting. My brother is snoring in his room, and my parents are awake, and we begin to hear loud furniture swinging rustling noise across. Nails scratching the wall, and these sort of chain noises coming from the attic with a ch-ch noise, as if someone was calling a dog. Just ch-ch. Right then and there, my heart sunk and knew this fucking place was haunted. Dad gets up, knocks on my brother's door, thinking he may have moved things around, but nope, he's fast asleep. The noises were brushed off that it was just a raccoon outside and the forest trees swinging because of the wind. Heart is racing, just racing and constantly thinking about the Blair Witch Project, which made it worse, thinking it was real, because you know at the time the internet wasn't a popular thing to see if movies were fake. 
left a small nightlight and probably 11 or midnight when my parents fell asleep. As the night pressed on, I dozed off and woke up. My parents were sound asleep. The door of their room was completely opened and vividly remembered we locked it. My heart is racing as I know something is really wrong, and at the foot of my bed, the end is sunken down as if someone was sitting on it, and I felt it sink down. You guys, I felt as if I was about to pass out and throw up, when suddenly the covers of my bed tossed and immediately felt these hands and fingernails tickle my feet. Man, I get chills remembering it. So I kicked back at whatever the fuck it was, and I could feel the hair on these hands, just massively hairy hands and arms. I yelled, you guys! I cried and fucking got up from a nest of blankets and somehow jumped straight into my parents' bed crying. My parents console me. Dad gets up, turns the light on, and I'm done. Right then and there, I'm crying in my mom's shoulders that I don't want to live here anymore. After some consoling, my dad and mom are somewhat wanting to believe me, but they can't. That night, I slept in between them. I didn't sleep. My eyes were glued to the door, waiting for it to open. Didn't sleep. Next day comes, and my brother is working out in the arcade room as he played varsity football in high school. He comes rushing to us, saying he saw a little girl's feet with frilly socks on near the hallway with a lengthy mirror. My dad doesn't believe it, but he became a believer eventually gonna go ahead and post the experiences as this is getting way too long our fear reached the zenith so couple nights later my dad is in the bathroom he had a habit of urinating sitting down at night so no one gets interrupted sleep and from the windows the moon is able to reflect some light that gallantly peers through my as my dad is urinating he notices my mom is at the door and says he will be done so he does his thing and as right as soon as he is about to pat my mom in the back for her to go My dad goes right through the silhouette, making him fall. That night, I remember him finally becoming a believer and shouting at us to come out and turn all the lights on. Dad was pale as a ghost, but I was relieved that I wasn't fucking crazy. Water always turned on as well, bath water, even the small shower where the long mirror hallway was. I feel like we should take a look at this long mirror hallway. I always feel like a lot of experiences happen here. I don't know. And also, if you guys know, um, mirrors are known to hold negative energy, according to uh, some beliefs. All right, back to the story. One time, after a party finished and everyone went home, I always took long baths with my action figures and had a huge curtain that covered the bath. My mom sometimes would use the bathroom whenever I showered, so I heard her walk in and notice the shadow pass and would just say, hey, mom, no response. So whatever. I played and... Upon finishing the bath, the bathroom door was wide opened. I came out telling my mom why she didn't close the door in, and she said she didn't use the bathroom and was outside cleaning up. It was so scary. A lot of shit went on in that house. We had family friends stay the night to look over the house while we went on a trip. That following night, they called us saying they were leaving because they were getting spooked. The couple kept having dreams of a handsome man with hairy hands touching them and that he would laugh a lot and his wife said that the painting in my parents room was moving she noticed the kids in the painting moving and the television in that room turned on and the volume would flood up so high to the max (gasps) the hairy hands and the picture oh my god that's crazy they left in the middle of the night after a few hours We were all painting the fence of the house and saw neighbors jogging on the road. They approached us and told us that our house had belonged to an artist who committed suicide in our garage. No one ever got close to him as he was always so reserved and spoke to no one. But joggers would see him with art supplies all the time. 
No one knew who the girl was that my brother saw. And right then and there, my mother called her mom, who is a spiritual person, and told her to make an incense and just walk around and talk kindly to the man and ask for him to leave the house. After the small ritual, we never felt anything. Looking back, it feels odd to have been scared. Maybe he was just really lonely and in a dark place at the time and was just playing with me, waiting his, wait, wanting his presence to be acknowledged. The carpenters even mentioned they would see a girl roaming around our pond with a strange face scarf on. Funny thing is my mom stayed home while my dad worked and brother and I were in school. She had never experienced or heard anything. Anyways, we ended up selling the house because it was flooding a lot. And the creepy part about the grotto in the back of the house near the pond was that after coming back from evacuating the floods, we found so many dead animals stacked on each other. Dogs, geese, cats, two horses, and owls. Just, ugh, gives me shivers every time. The arcade room was still frozen cold as well. Haven't been back, but I would be more than happy to share the paintings he had in this house. All of his belongings are in a storage rent warehouse. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just heard the stairs. I heard fo- uh, f- I just heard footsteps going down the stairs, and I thought it was to the basement where I'm recording, but I guess it was our third floor going down to the main floor, and it was Mike, and that just scared the shit out of me after reading the story. Okay. <sighs> Back to Rebecca. All right. So this is this guy's second story, and this is labeled Protective Unexplained Force Saved My Life. By now, you probably glanced over my haunted story by Indigo Lake, Texas, in which I used to reside. After selling the house, family all moved into a rent, uh, a rent-a-mobile home. It's not a scary experience, but actually very endearing as my life was saved and a glimmer of hope revealed itself for me. Unfortunately for me, during the teenage years, a diagnosis of Barrett's esophagus was found, and I felt completely ill for a while. Turning over, standing up, It just absolutely hurt so much that sleeping on the floor was the only resolution. Sleeping by my parents' bed again. Go figure. You guys, in the middle of the story, Mike just came down and told me that um, tomorrow New Jersey is in a complete lockdown. We cannot leave our houses and we can only leave to go to essential businesses like, like medical care places and things like that. So... I'm going to finish up this story real quick because I'm going to go see if I need to get any last-second supplies. Whew, this is crazy. Okay, sorry, guys. Back to the story. Around April, a thunderstorm hit, and we were all just gloomed from hearing the diagnosis. Melancholy just resonated on every inch of the home. You could just feel it. So one night, as we were falling asleep, my dad's truck goes off in full panic. Dad goes to analyze, and nothing was wrong, so he just opens the car and shuts it. Comes back inside, and once again, the panic alarm goes berserk. We always kept the keys hanged, so no way the panic button was smashed. So he goes over again, opens the door, and closes it. Come back inside to lay down, and once again, goes full panic. My dad thought the vibrations of the thunder was making the truck go off. The battery is removed, and the truck stayed silent. Only for it to go off once again. It was creepy. I remember being wide awake on the floor. The lights got switched on, and as my dad turned around, right by the side of my head were two poisonous scorpions. After the scorpions were demolished, the truck got extremely silent. To this day, we have 
really no clues as to why the truck went off like that, even when the battery was removed. There's no plausible explanation for it. From that day, the feeling of gratitude was instilled, a glimmer of hope that everything was going to be okay. And since then, recovery was made and no longer have signs of Barrett's esophagus. So whenever I'm down in the dumps, just simply reflecting on that day lets me know that everything will be all right. Oh, what an amazing way to end this episode on such a light note, positive. And I feel like this kind of ties into what we're going through right now. I mean, I'm I'm a little shaken up that we're locked in here. Um, yeah, even though most of the time I like to be locked in my house anyway. I mean, this is for a serious reason. They are telling us we cannot leave our houses unless it's to go to an essential business. Um, but just that sentence, a glimmer of hope that everything was going to be okay. Just simply reflecting on that day, let me know that everything will be all right, even when I'm down in the dumps. We just have to remind ourselves that there is going to be a light at the end of this very dark tunnel that we're going through. So stay positive, guys. Help one another. Make sure you have a lot of canned goods. Don't hoard all the toilet paper. Check on the elderly people near you. And just be kind. Reach out to that person that maybe you haven't talked in a while. You don't know what they're going through right now. FaceTime your loved ones that you may not live with. And just think positive. All right, guys. Love you, boo things. Um, let's go through the social media, shall we? My personal Instagram, at Rebecca Ruber. Our podcast instagram just ghouly things podcast our facebook page just ghouly things podcast our facebook like page just ghouly things podcast group uh you have to um you just have to invite yourself and then i will obviously accept you as soon as possible donate to our patreon at just ghouly things podcast i know right now um money is a little tight um but even for a couple bucks a month a couple bucks a month, um, everything goes towards, everything that we get towards Patreon goes towards helping this podcast keep going. And you get incentives with uh, different different tiers. So definitely check out those tiers on Patreon. Again, rate us on Apple Podcasts, five stars, review us, share this podcast on your stories. We love sharing, um, reposting everything that you post on your Instagram pages, on your Instagram stories, shouting us out. We appreciate all of the love we get from our boo things. Thank you guys so much again. Um, if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they'd like to share with us, email us at justschoolythingspodcast at gmail.com. All right, boo things. I will talk to boo tomorrow. Goodbye. <laughs>